Welcome to the Impactful Leadership Show. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. John Lennon once said, a dream you dream alone is only a dream. A dream you dream together is reality. Join me as we connect dreams to reality by chatting with innovators from around Washington, DC. Our show is proudly sponsored by the DC chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization. This is the Impactful Leadership Show. Well, welcome to the Impactful Leadership Show. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. I'm also the CEO of Blackburn Capital Advisors and the chapter president for the Entrepreneurs Organization of Washington, D.C. Today's guest is Dr. Oleg Konolev. Hopefully I didn't butcher that too bad, who is a global <laughs> thought leader, author, business educator, consultant, and C-suite coach. Oleg has been named the top eight global experts in leadership and shortlisted for the Distinguished Award in leading Leadership by Thinkers50. He has also been named one of the top 10 most inspiring global thought leaders. He is the author of The Vision Code, Leaderology, Corporate Superpower, Organizational Autonomy, and Hidden Russia. Oleg, it's great to have you on our show today. Thank you very much. It sounds like I'm not very human, but I'm still human. It's okay. Yeah, oh, thank you. I, I will ask you later what you do in your free time. Ah, but, okay. Well, let's jump right into it. My, my favorite question around leadership is around misconceptions. And I'd love to hear some of your thoughts around misconceptions and leadership. It's actually a very tough question. And uh, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't be much diplomatic uh, answering this question. We really taking leadership as some kind of a <clears throat> navigating a airship inside a harbor. Because uh, I need a leader to lead me into the future, to show me that future and be really capable of executing it. And so growing own people and becoming better. What happens? There are a few reasons where we take it wrong. First one, we are betting too much on a consensus. And uh, well, no one would remember pleases or trying to please everyone to find that consensus. Because if you're thinking about building a future, it must be really strong and firm where you want to lead people. Uh, we are looking for consensus when we don't know where to go. We're just trying to please everyone. Another problem is we're thinking too much about the past, a little bit about the present, and not very much about the future. We're actually afraid of the future and so forth. We're trying to copy-paste the leader's past into that future. It doesn't work, unfortunately. If you think, in, in, you listen, uh, or I believe you, uh, you've witnessed a lot of those board meetings where leaders trying to copy-paste their previous experience. More or less, they're leading people into the ideal version of the, our past. And it doesn't work because life is so dynamic, everything changing, evolving. And that is why leadership is critical because we need leaders to lead that evolution. But if leaders are thinking about the past, Oh, we are like hamsters in a wheel. We're repeating the same old mistakes again and again and again. And every time we have a 
a big pile of excuses. We have done something wrong because circumstances has changed. No, our solutions, we didn't came up with solutions. We're just looking at the problems with the same view. Therefore, they tend to catch up with us again and again and again. And uh, of course, it's about not thinking, I would call it big, because one of the critical uh, things for every leader, we know that all leaders are great learners, which is correct. But it begins that all great leaders are great listeners. They are listening to all those pain points, what, uh, what the whistles of changes. And uh, that allows them to read big signals of real changes that forthcoming. And therefore, they're able to come up earlier with solutions and uh, carry on with them. Where majority of leaders, they're looking for strong signals. You know, just like strong signals is something that already happened or will happen tomorrow and we'll see it's like a snowstorm coming. It's a bad forecast and we're, we're, we're getting, okay, we're changing tires or we're getting winter coats, but it's a strong signal. You don't need to be a leader to read that strong signals. So in simple terms, we have three big issues. We are lacking real leaders who are bold enough to think about the future and not to listen to the public opinion. B, we should have leaders that really leading and making people to think about the future from that future standpoint, not from the past standpoint. And of course, it's about being wise to read that big signals and to be in charge of those changes. And that great, at least great. three. Yeah, that's some amazing insights. I'd like to jump back to something you said about the copying and pasting and how we replicate the past and think that we're actually pursuing into the future. Um, and you mentioned the hamster cycle. How do we, how do you break that? If you're you know, one of our listeners is leading his or her organization and this light bulb just went on after you made those comments. What's a, a way to help that individual break out of that cycle of continuing looking at past things to use to predict future outcomes? Again, Greg, I love your questions. Thank you. <laughs> because the first one is we are relying too much on a data from our customers' previous experience, but none of our customers can say what he would expect to have in the future. They're only reflecting on their previous experience, and we're trying to build new solutions or provide new programs or products based on a previous experience. Yeah, we know about Steve Jobs coming up boldly with a new solution say, hey guys, that's a new way how we would use phones or smartphones. Or Tesla saying, okay, no, we would rewrite, or Elon Musk said, we would rewrite the way how people to understand mobility, not just providing electrical cars, which were invented well, long time ago, but we will rewrite the rules of 
mobility itself. And it's done. And in this sense, it's more about not expecting that the future will be fully predictable or certain. It's about making your vision that would be the most certain thing in an uncertain future, where majority of people are still relying on that past experience that it will remain consistent. No. Another thing is, what we tend to exercise in terms of thinking as leaders, we're trying to copy our previous success. And uh, I do work with those guys who won Olympic games or with superstars in professional sports. And I was saying, you can't win at a different Olympic games with the same mindset. Because in this sense, what I'm saying, every new phase of life, every new project, every success demands a new mindset. If you are trying to build something new with your own mindset, it wouldn't work you will get exactly the same thing that you have done before, but it's not, it wouldn't guarantee your success. It was good yesterday, but it wouldn't be good now. That's really interesting. Um, you know, you, you just mentioned vision, mindset, and, you know, changing our approach and how we think about the future. Walk me through a little bit deeper on the on on mindset on, on how somebody can embrace a more open mindset or a different mindset when looking at opportunities or solutions or just into the future. Greg, I personally use a very simple approach. Every new project that I'm starting, I'm starting as a child. I consider that I know nothing. And I must learn quickly within a month or two everything. Because if I would rely on things, oh, I know about this, those things that work, they're absolutely, you know, check proofed, fact proofed, whatever. Well, they were relevant to, to a time when I knew about this. But the things are changing. Therefore, you must be able to unlearn. That's the first thing. Another thing is what is common misconcept. When you think big, it doesn't necessarily make that, uh, mean that a scale of your thinking is relevant for a particular task. You might need to think even bigger or from different angle. And that is quite important. And again, one of those things which holds us back in a great way is not enough courageous thinking. You see, when we are spending too much time in a comfort zone, everything goes as prescribed up to a plan. But when we are facing a new reality, we're facing tomorrow would be different, next year would be very different. 10 years from now would be completely different way how we think and live and do things. We are hostages or victims 
of own fares. Yet the majority of fares are given to us. And as soon as you want to shift your thinking, you must clearly draw a line, own fares and the fares which are given to you. Fares that are given to us are, you can't do this way, it can't happen, people wouldn't accept this. So there are many things, but actually the list is quite long, but yet what I would be in practical way, if you want to start, hey, we're facing something unknown tomorrow. The circumstances has changed. For instance, now a lot of people or a lot of companies facing huge challenges with the supply chain and they need to rewrite this stuff. It's not about to sit and burst into tears. It's about to think, okay, how I could do differently things that never been done before in such a manner. And this is where you need that bold thinking in a very different way. And you need to think what would remain consistent. And here comes a very interesting point. We have perishable skills and athletic skills. What was good yesterday, it wouldn't be good. So you must keep developing those athletic skills or ways of thinking that would remain consistent with you. Hey, I was young, I was in weightlifting. Can I do the same, <clears throat> pump up the same iron these days? No chance. It's perishable. It's gone. Mm. It, I love it. I love the, the analogy you made or the approach that child approaching new problems or opportunities as a child, right? As if you'd have anything is possible there are no limitations, open mindset, beginner's mindset. Um, and then layering on top of that, the bold thinking to truly, and actually one of the things I struggle with on, on thinking about the future is you can get so big and so vast that you kind of get stuck, right? It's like, wow, how do I, how do I proceed tomorrow when there's so many opportunities and avenues to go down um, that you kind of feel a little bit paralyzed. Have you seen that with clients? And, and that is that absolutely with? amazing moment. And actually, when I'm working with my clients, I'm looking for that moment because when you see your in your vision, your future is exceptionally great, even to an extent when you are really afraid of it, that's a real one because it's really big. Think from a simple angle, Greg. We're all surrounded by millions of problems. And, but when you see your future as a great solution to go out of these problems, of course, it will be a bit scary and that is okay. And you're standing in front of it, you immediately realize, hey, I need to grow to be so uh, in line with that great vision. It would be as a magnet, it would be a source of energy for you. But if you're still thinking, oh, I could manage it, it's not something great. It's just your routine. Mm -hmm. You will remain in that loop of 
fighting with problems. It's not a solution that would make that aha moment. Right, right. You really need to be pulled towards it, right? Have that passion and the and the, the fear and the un, uncertainty. Actually, it's a great point you mentioned passion because your future, your vision without passion is just a project. If you're not putting your heart, if you're not putting your emotions, every vision has that incredible emotional power because you could share your passion with others and they become passionate and they become multipliers of your passion. You're becoming a source of inspiration for many. But if you don't have it, actually think, passion itself is a very serious business. Think how many businesses were established purely on passion. And they're, they're striving in a big way. But if you don't have it, you more or less, you just fight it blind for some kind of a project without any emotional attachment. You wouldn't put your heart, you would put only your mind, but that would be very limited. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, I love this topic about passion and, and business entrepreneurship and growth. Right, because the entrepreneurs end up with this struggle. You, you start your business, you're passionate about it, you're thinking about it 24-7, you love your customers, you love your service, everything's great. And then as you grow, you have to teach yourself to kind of get away from that passion because you need, not get away from the passion, but I think you understand where I'm going, but yeah. all of a sudden you're building a business and that business needs to have routines and policies and procedures and an HR department and a finance team. And you, you, as you grow your business, you get a little bit further away from your passion, which is why I think a lot of entrepreneurs then just restart something new. Um, any thoughts or comments on that cycle? You see, it's a very interesting cycle and it's, it's a brilliant observation, Greg. Because think, as soon as they're losing their passion, they're turning into a control mode. But control is an illusion unless people who are really inspired, passionate, they're taking care of the things which they are in charge of. You know, otherwise you become a control freak with through all that reports. We need to take care of this and they, and your passion melts down and disappears. And people immediately see that. You're becoming a... A reports freak, you know, no one would be keen to work with such a person, <laughs> only for money, of course, you know, <laughs> so they wouldn't put their heart and they wouldn't be really excited coming back home thinking, we have done something amazing, you know, because in a simple sense, who cares or who remember how much profit your company has made last year or two years ago? No, it's about how much we have grown, what kind of impact we have had. And that makes a difference. And that drives people, that drives much higher engagement with people. It opens their heart. You getting loyal employees and they're putting their hearts because they, what does it mean loyal employee? It's someone who knows about the problems of your company, but still believes in the future of 
that company and his future, his or her future, with that company. That's and awesome. without passion, it doesn't, you know, there is no glue. There mm -hmm. is no attachment. So do you have thoughts and insights about ways that you can bring passion back into a business? You know, put your again, own heart, put your own heart and mind into it, and get involved with the business, not with reports. Yeah, of course, you need to spend the time with reports. You know, you're still in, you know in charge of those things, but you need to be also involved with people, and uh, not just only with your team, but with customers. Greg, how many CEOs do you know that talk with customers? Might be hundred. Most most of them. No, actually not. They're just yeah. Uh, the majority are not, and particularly in different countries, uh, hardly saw any British CEO talking to his customers. I hardly saw any Russian CEO talking to his customers. I hardly saw. Oof, so. Italy is better in this sense. America is better, but there are quite a big difference mm. in this sense. Uh, you you must show not just passion itself. Oh, you are, you you love what you do, but you must walk what you talk. You mm. must show to people, get them involved, get them on board, explain not in those motors or plugs in your own way. Why do you love it? it and here comes an interesting point is in the way how we communicate it because if I have a great vision, I must get people on board. I must, you know, enhance my influence not my personal, but influence of that vision. Therefore, I must make people the co-owners of my vision. How to do this? Uh, I must get to their conscious and subconscious minds. And in this sense comes the difference. Communicating vision, because we communicate facts. And sharing vision, because we share emotions and stories. And... And becomes very powerful because if a leader shares his stories, his emotions with people, people really wants to be within that story as main heroes. Mm -hmm. And result what comes because they are co-owners of vision, you are clearly showing them that what they would benefit from that vision, what's the value for them would be, not just in terms of salaries or a particular product as a transaction, but what they will gain beyond of this, why they are the co-owners of that vision. And when people see that they are co-owners of that future that the leader creates for them, they're really engaged. They're really passionate. They're really productive. They're really creative because they want to be involved, not just by ticking the boxes, but really contributing their minds and hearts that's that's very insightful i'm curious are there specific companies 
that do this exceptionally well? Oh yeah. That, that oh yeah. Can you give us some illustrations of? <laughs> very very recent case. I do work with one of these uh, Arabian oil giants, and they're cascading this on at all levels in a great way, in a very very great way, and Saudi Aramco. You know, they're very successful. And one of the reasons for their success, not just the amount of oil that they're pumping, but it's how they're engaging all their people. And very opposite example, uh, in terms of scale of the business, it's, it's a fantastic startup from Finland. And they are creating a new way how we could understand and do retail or shopping. And it's a small team very productive and uh, initially we're sitting together with four of their guys and team is only 30 people next week they sat together uh, like 10 of them and the next time we sat together 30 entire team believe me i don't <laughs> i can't say the name at the moment but it seems to me they're just like rocketing up that's awesome. Uh, so, so it's it, it, regardless of industry, regardless of country, regardless of scale, it gives you an incredible power. Mm. And I also think vision doesn't have gender, doesn't have race, nationality, industry, nothing, because it's about being going to the notion of our conversation. It's about creating that future. And when people believe in, in that promised future, they will do their best. Mm, mm. So, and in this sense, a leader is needed just to keep that direction and uh, complement people with own qualities to make them better. And in return, these people, encouraged, inspired, engaged, they will make that leader better as a leader. Certainly, certainly. You know, I also believe that leadership is a learned trait. You know, we, we can get better at leadership day in and day out. Um, do you have, and it might be in your book that I would like to talk about next, but um, any, we've got an audience member who wants to improve their leadership skills, improve their listening skills, become or amplify more passion for their team and their business. Are there places to go to learn how to do that better? Or are there books to read? Or, you know, again, let's say we have a, an audience member who is, is really getting a bright light bulb from this conversation and they want to dive deeper into doing this type of work for their team where do we lead them to where do we lead them to go correct i i wasn't born with a silver spoon i was born in a rough environment of a communist soviet union you know uh and where everything was prescribed more uniformed and i've learned those things myself great and i'm blessed and lucky to meet phenomenal people from whom I had a chance to learn. 
but it's not about being gifted or you know just like a trade for few for a few it's about making a firm decision to become a great leader and strongly realizing yes i'm a leader i'm responsible for my growth because i'm responsible how much my people will grow leadership is about not about a status but what your people achieved under your leadership and therefore i must become better and therefore i must learn more think more act more be better and those things are not given they're earned they're very very much so earned do you also do you see a difference in leadership in a business versus leadership at your home and your family or even leadership within your community no 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 it's exactly the same because if you think if we talk in about vision whether in business vision comes when your conscious awareness of a problem you want to solve for the benefit of others reaches its peak it's still relevant to your family because you're sitting with your wife and you're discussing hey we want to create a happy family and i see my wife being happy and she sees me being happy so we're both happy we both benefit from each other's vision and it grows social life would be exactly the same so it's it's nothing like oh that's limited by those dimensions it's still pragmatic it's still functionable it's still a space from where we draw a lot of value for everyone awesome amazing um shifting gears a little bit you you published the vision code last year in 2021 yeah. talk to us a little bit about the book and the premise and what a reader will get out of the, the experience of reading through that book hmm. the vision code actually for the first time in a normal history <laughs> i managed to break out the code what vision is how to create it because it's still a common belief that vision is a gift no it's a way of thinking and how to think it how to create a vision how to grow as a visionary leader how to execute a vision to make it a reality and this an algorithm where uh, i am sharing all those questionaries all that algorithm which called caver caver means clarity of creation ability viability influence acting or execution and revitalizing so i'm sharing all those questions and algorithm and i'm bringing stories of 19 brilliant brilliant visionaries from across the globe usa canada india uk from different countries you know brilliant amazing people and that is real experience which is uh, not just made up stories and the uh, approach was simple because i was thinking you see vision is a single and most powerful leadership tool this is why we need leaders to be good with the future 
I have very practical background. I spent many years in the fishing industry and I don't believe in much talking without practical solutions. And therefore, it was, the aim was to turn it into simple, practical book that helps people immediately apply those things, those approaches and techniques. And it, it really works. Mm. So stepping back a little bit further, because you've now published five books, have you always wanted to be an author or has it been a byproduct of your learning? Like, like walk us through how you became an author. Uh, as I mentioned, I spent many years in the fishing industry. And then uh, at that time, I, it's not by accident. It was a strong will. I got doctoral degree and I've gone into consulting and I was looking for grand solutions to grand problems. And my first book came as a result of those studies. So more or less every book is a result of deep field research and practical application of different problems that can be solved. In, and every book offers those solutions to those problems. And uh, book in this sense is a byproduct of, of such a research and practical applications. Therefore, I'm, I'm really sharing tools, not just saying, oh, it could be nice. <laughs> you, better, you, you better do what you preach. And therefore, I'm sharing those things. Well, my copy of the Vision Code arrived yesterday. So I'm oh. looking forward to uh, cracking that spine and, and getting into Thank you. the learning. Um, I suspect, and this is a guess, but you've got another book or project or an idea that you're working on in the future. Um, <laughs> talk to us a little bit about what you're working on today. Uh, I'm still not prepared to be called just a writer. You know, <laughs> I'm still considering, no, no, no. My role is thought leadership. And books are, as we discussed, a byproduct. <clears throat> I'm still expanding this area of vision. And when we talk how to do it, which is a vision code, immediately comes another question, how to think vision strategy people. Because if you don't know how to think, you're more or less, well, you're not fully capable. You're good, but not very good. And we're working on a new project. It's actually, it's another interesting research. And we, again, in conversation with different CEOs and brightest people from 12 countries involving in that book. And it's about, the working title is Minecraft. <laughs> it's about how to think vision, how to think strategy, how to think people, more or less, what I believe it's about how to rethink or reset your mindset from success to success. I can't and, wait. Uh, it's quite a challenge. It's quite a challenge, but it goes well. We <laughs> I, hope to I can't wait to see, see that one next too. year. Um, shifting gears a little bit, and this is one of my other favorite questions. So if you were going to give yourself advice, a younger version of yourself, coming right out of university, what advice would you give yourself now that you've experienced life as much as you have 
So, and looking back at yourself graduating out of university, what advice would you give a young Oleg? Don't be afraid to experiment. Try whatever you can. And then I think, don't listen to your parents, professors, because every generation insists the next generation to repeat own mistakes. I don't want to repeat, and uh, it's not good. And as a result, they're telling us to be smart. I believe you were taught in a way, Greg, you must be smart. You must learn this. And I was a fairly similar stuff. But actually, no one said to me, you must learn how to be wise. And because you are smart today, but you're not very smart tomorrow. Uh, because your knowledge becomes a little bit rusty, irrelevant, not sufficient. But when you are wise, which is a different mindset, you are much better at learning. You are much better at understanding causes. You are much better as a human. And you grow faster. Yeah, that's insightful. You know, it, it applies to my childhood. Um, you know, I didn't learn. I didn't fall in love with learning until my university years. And it's only when I taught myself how to learn, how to consume information and then use it. That, I, that my light bulb went on and said, hey, there's a lot of information out here. There's a lot of learning. Prior to that, it was shoved down my throat, right? Be smart, do your math, do your English, do this. And it was never, I didn't have a passion for it. But once I discovered that passion of how to learn, it changed everything for me. Um, so it's very much reflects what you were saying about, you know, learn to be wise versus trying to be smart. It's very, very different because uh, we are smart at making choices, but we're not wise enough to be decisive and make right decisions, for instance. Mm. But life is not a McDonald's menu. <laughs> Surely not. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> oh. Well, Oleg, I could go on and on and on because I'm really fascinated and deep into our conversation. Um, curious if, if audience members would like to find you. I'm assuming your books are on, I know one of your books is on Amazon. Um, where other websites oh, or social media? They, they could you? go on uh, my website, olegkonovalov.com. Uh, they could find me on LinkedIn and I uh, always happy to accept connection and respond to the message and my email address on my website and uh, they could find my books on amazon for instance the vision code or leaderology or whatever those previous books open you one would be out soon <laughs> <laughs> so i'm happy to connect and respond because you know i really admire bold people because if people think about the future they're already bold they're bold enough Yes. And therefore, I'm always happy to help. Wonderful. And we'll include those links um, in our show notes when this show gets published. So oh, thank you. Anyone in the audience who's trying to write all that stuff down, you don't need to. It'll be in our show notes. Um, one final question. Oh, like, what's the what's the exciting about the future? What 
what are you excited about for the future? I'm afraid to open a mouse about this, but working on a new this new book, I, I'm just realizing that another big project comes out of it. It's a matter of just of my patience to finish that one, breathe out, and learn again. Mm. You know, it's a beauty. When you have a vision, we have a notion, or we all believe that cats have nine lives. A leader with a vision surely has nine lives because every vision, every revised vision gives him that new life. And therefore, it keeps me really excited. <laughs> well, I'm hoping that I'm still on my early number of those nine lives and not on the back end of my yeah, 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 lives. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but you have an extension. You could always add more and more. That's right. You know, and that is really interesting because that makes your life really purposeful, fulfilled, mm -hmm. and uh, you're really looking forward to it. That's amazing. Well, Oleg, it was great having you on our show today. Um, again, thanks for your insights. You're inspired. You've got my the, the fur on the back of my neck, the hair on the back of my neck tingling um, with energy and passion and excitement. And I, uh, again, thank you for being on our show. Thank you, Greg. I love your questions. Thank you very much. Thank you for this conversation. That's a wrap, my friends. Thank you for spending your time with me. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at impactfulleadershipshow.com. One last food for thought, walk on with hope in your heart and you'll never walk alone.